So, the iOS YouTube app now records how much time you've been using it. Yes. So, how much time have you been spending watching YouTube? Let's check. Yesterday, seventeen hours and five minutes. <laughs> how is this even possible? What day was yesterday? Thursday. Yeah, so this is just totally not possible. So I do question the accuracy of these stats. I think they are based on the length of the videos you watched, and I've been watching some really long videos recently, but I haven't necessarily been watching them one hundred percent. I may have just started them and then skipped, you know, towards the end. So I very much question the accuracy of this seventeen hours yesterday, but. The daily average, three hours fifty-seven minutes. That's a lot of YouTube. That is a lot of YouTube. How do you find the time? I just watch YouTube instead of watching TV. Instead of everything. Instead of everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I think YouTube is just my default downtime activity. You know, in the olden days, I think you would have like vegged out in front of the TV, just idly been channel surfing, like just turn it on. And see what's on, and I don't do that anymore. I just idly watch YouTube instead. Because for a long time, I think I would have said I play computer games instead of watching TV. So when people say, "Wow, how do you find the time to play so many computer games?" I would just reply, "I just don't watch TV. The time that you spend watching TV is when I would play a computer game instead." But I think. I'm often just really mentally tired after work these days, and I just don't feel like playing any mentally demanding game a lot of the time. And so I just idly flip through YouTube. The other thing that I think that has grossly inflated the figures recently is that I have been watching the Link to the Past randomizer summer tournament, which just finished from Speed Games. Which is a Twitch channel that organizes a lot of speedrunning races on tournaments, and they recently had a summer tournament that was sponsored by Twitch, ten thousand USD prize pool for Link to the Past Randomizer, which is incredible and a work of absolute genius that I would love to talk about. But I feel that we should either do it as a segment in an episode proper, or even a book club game. The pool of people I can discuss Link the Past Randomizer with is very small. Most people are just confused when I try and explain the concept to them, but it is so clever, and it's very entertaining to watch if you've played Link the Past, which I haven't. <laughs> no, and it seems many people haven't because <laughs> no one understands what I'm talking about when I explain it. How long does a run take? On average, I would say between ninety minutes and two hours. Okay, and it also just like never ends because the summer tournament just finished, and the fall tournament has just started. <laughs> so this morning, I watched one of the qualifiers for the fall tournament. <laughs> okay, it is an unhealthy amount of YouTube. This is just the latest, you know, iteration of my, you know, YouTube madness. I was watching other things before this. I'm sure I'll be watching other things after this. Yeah, the content is being produced quicker than you can consume it, so don't worry. 
don't they say something mad like 60 hours of youtuber uploading every 60 seconds of real time or something crazy like there's there's some mental stat about how much is being uploaded to youtube all that storage it is a crazy amount of storage i can't believe they have that much storage just lying around they must be having to like drive dump trucks full of hard drives up to youtube hq and just like pouring them into this bin to be filled up can we talk about piracy oh yeah that's what i'd be watching if it weren't for youtube what about piracy i don't know how much of this is truth and how much of it is just bs but because of the many streaming services that we have today piracy is increasing again I can 100% believe this. Are you are you behind most of it? Yar. People often say you can't compete with free. And that's why all these content companies said they couldn't compete with the pirates. And they put all this draconian DRM and etc on everything and it became a real pain for a long time to watch media to play games or anything on your own devices to the point where not only were the pirates providing something for free they were providing a better service i could go out and buy a dvd and then have to watch an unskippable advert about how i wouldn't download a car or i could download a car get the pirate version from the internet and just watch the movie I wanted to watch. And when it came to music, you got CDs that installed rootkits on your machine when you tried to play them on your PC. When it came to games, again, there would be crazy protection that installed weird drivers and anti-cheat mechanisms and stuff. So, there was a period when pirates provided for free a better service. But then, everything changed. On PC, Steam happened, and after a rocky start, it eventually became just PC gaming, basically. A really convenient way to get pretty much any game you wanted, and it just worked. You could buy the game once, and you could play it on any machine that you owned, no stupid install limits, no stupid, like, rootkit DRM. It had to always be on the internet, but everything was always on the internet by this point. Just, it was an acceptable trade-off for a much better service. Music, you had Spotify, TV and movies, Netflix. And we had this brief golden age where any game you wanted, Steam, any music you wanted, Spotify, any movie or TV show you wanted, Netflix. And now it's all gone to shit. No, 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 that's not true. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. All the games are still there, it's fine. And all the EA games are on Origin now, and all the Activision games are on freaking Blizzard.net. Don't need to play them. You don't need to play them. I don't need to watch, like, Game of Thrones either, or Star Trek. It's the same for Fallout as well. Fallout 76 is going to have its own... Fortnite has its own. <sighs> Hence, it's all gone to shit now. I think 
Netflix is the one that most people are having trouble with at the moment because shows are being pulled off it left, right and centre and put onto their own walled gardens. I mean, Star Trek in the US is on CBS All Access, right? The Expanse just got pulled off Netflix because Amazon bought it, so now it's going to be on Amazon Prime. So it's just sad. And I 100% believe that people will try and pay, right? People don't really want to pirate stuff. People will pay for Netflix. They'll pay for maybe one or two others. And then after that, if they still can't get it, they'll just pirate it. It's just not convenient. No, it's not convenient. People are used to just stuff being there, right? I mean, if I wasn't spending all my time watching YouTube, for sure I would be <laughs> angry that I can't watch Westworld Season 2. I still haven't watched Westworld Season 2. I'd really like to watch it, but there's just no convenient way to get hold of it. But there is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that convenient. It's a real pain. Oh, really? Well, actually, to be fair, I haven't tried that hard because I just watched like 20 hours of YouTube yesterday, but you know. So this is kind of boring and serious. Yeah. Boring. This is almost like a proper segment, sorry. In an attempt to rescue it, have you done anything interesting in the last two weeks? Uh, no. What have I done in the last two weeks? I didn't do anything, I was just sick. I'm just sick I'm just sick again. I've just got this low sick voice. Maybe it comes out better on the podcast. Maybe there's gonna be an excellent recording. I thought you were unbreakable. Turns out I'm not. Turns out I'm merely mortal like everyone else. This is rubbish. Is this what you mortals call unwell? This is highly disappointing. Have you taken a Nurofen? Of course I've taken. <laughs> I've taken pretty much an entire packet of Nurofen cold and flu the past week. I've severely depleted my strategic stockpile of Nurofen cold and flu. You've just got to last another three months. I just have to last another three months and I'm going to go back to the UK and buy like five boxes of it again. I have to walk into like boots in like London and like put on this fake... I have a cold voice and be like, oh, sorry, can I buy some Neurofen cold and flu? I've got a really bunged up nose. And I probably don't have to do all this theatrics, but I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like if I don't sound like I need Neurofen cold and flu, they'll try and direct me to the lame stuff. Because you can buy Neurofen cold and flu just like on the pharmacy floor, right? But that's not the good stuff. That's like crappy phenylephrine that just doesn't do anything for you. You want pseudoephedrine. That's the good stuff. But, you know, that's behind the counter. So you go to Kevin. So go to Kevin. Have you to Kevin? <laughs> yeah, I should, I should try that. Kevin, Kevin, sell me Sudafed. No, but have you been to Kevin? To buy stuff from my friendly pharmacist. Yes. Uh, I did go once. He actually gave, he gave me, he, he gave it to me in a controlled drugs bag. <laughs> just, he was just like, lol, joke, have this controlled drugs. Uh, but it was just full of Neurofen. Okay. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. We're a book club for games. And today we are. What are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about Prey. The 2017 Prey. And this is the third and final part. Indeed. So, there will be spoilers for Prey. This is your official spoiler warning. Spoilers for Prey, all the way till the end of the game.
Are you going to do the honours? So, to recap the story in this section. We left things last time with you in the cargo bay. You need to get access to the rest of the station, which is still under a director-level lockdown. You get told by Michaela Ilyushin that you can restore access to the station by turning it off and on again. So you need to make your way to the main reactor, shut it down, and then start it back up. Once the power is restored, your brother Alex tells you that you're clever but reckless, and that you should come and meet him in the Arboretum. So you go all the way back there, and find out that once again, he's not there, but you get another video of yourself talking about a contingency plan to wipe out the Typhon with an experimental null wave device that you've devised. To complete the device, you need to scan the coral, and Alex gives you a chipset that will let you scan it with a psychoscope. You go outside, you get the scan, you come back inside, and you try and upload it, but dun dun dun, it's interrupted by Kaspar, who is working for Dahl, who has been sent by the Transtar Board of Directors to take control of the station and kill everyone while securing the research. So you go off and neutralise Kaspar and stop Dahl. And then finally, Alex will reveal he's in a safe room next to his office all along. Yeah, he's been literally next to you the whole time. And from there you have to make your choice. So you finally talk to him face to face. He gives you the plans for the null wave device and also his arming key. Or really, he's about to give you those things, but then the apex appears and tries to eat the station and it all goes to hell, zero gravity, disaster. And then you have to choose whether to activate the self-destruct or activate the null wave. And then that is the end. And throughout this whole section, there were many, many side quests and optional objectives. You could kill Dahl, you could stun Dahl, you could remove his neuromod so he forgets that he's on a mission to kill you all and get him to pilot a shuttle off the station. You can find out what happened to Michaela's father, you can recover Gustav Leitner's connectome, the piano amazing soloist dude, and give it to Dr. Igwe. Blah, 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 blah. Loads of side quests. All of which are actually quite interesting, but we would literally be here like 20 hours trying to talk through it all. So, I think the main thing to call out is that after your chosen ending and after the credits roll, there's an extra scene. And I was right. I completely called it. You are a Typhon. You are Project Cobalt. They are trying to put into your brain Morgan Hughes memories, Morgan Hughes connectome. You are a Typhon. They are trying to make human. Boom. Booyah. 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 <laughs> yes. Called it. 
Where's my prize? That was it. Oh. You get to celebrate. <laughs> okay. Damn it. I thought I'd get like a statue or something. You know that's not important to you. All right. So what are we going to do now? Are we going to talk about some memorable moments in this last section? And then we'll just recap how we feel overall? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. So what was memorable? So many things. So many things. All the things. All the things. Okay, let's try and be a little bit selective. But my first one. Which area? Life support. I'm pretty sure it's life support. There's a whole side quest about this, but the end of it is you try and harvest the eels from the eel tank. So where is all the protein on the station coming from? You actually see like eel scraps or like bits of eel and stuff. So they're actually eating a lot of eels on the station. And in life support, there is a tank where eels are eating the sewage on the station is that right and then they harvest the eels and feed them back to the people so it's like this closed loop thing and if you harvest the eels as well as a load of eels out flops this dead guy's body and i probably should have seen that coming given that you know they're talking about him being a drunk and they're not sure where he is so turns out he was in the eel tank he was cleaning the eel tank or something and then just like fell asleep in there and they just refilled it while he was in there or something The other potentially more interesting thing, I mean, rip that guy, but one of the eels is a greater mimic. That surprised me. I didn't know that. I thought it was just in and amongst the eels. Well, for me, one of the eels turned into a mimic. Like there was like this load of dead eels just like flopped out the tank along with this dead guy. And then one of the eels just turned into a mimic and like lunged at me. But... Why is there only one Mimic? I think that's the interesting thing here. Because you've got a tank full of eels. So why didn't the Mimic make more Mimics? And we actually get the answer later on. I, I can't remember the exact moment when it happens, but there's a discussion about the Typhon and where they came from and this whole other ecosystem out in the universe, like this dark and terrible you know, horrors of the abyss. So typhons are part of an ecosystem of creatures that eat consciousness. You know, the coral is like this weird mix of like people's memories and like brain connectome structures. And the typhons are eating people's consciousnesses. It's the consciousness that sustains them. And that's why you can't use livestock to make more mimics. It has to eat a person because it's actually their mind that it's eating. And then the other interesting consequence of this, are operators not alive? I mean, there are operators that are just like, I'm a medical operator, bleep bloop, but there are also operators that have an actual person's consciousness imprinted on them, right? I mean, you've got January, for example, and then in the ending, Daniel Show, Dr. Igwe, Michaela Ilyushin, Sarah Elazar, they are all operators presumably made from the connectomes of the original people. So are they not alive? No, they're not. Robot rights, man. But they're robots. I think we can have this whole other philosophical debate about what makes something alive. I'm helping the story here. Well, in the Prey universe, I think the answer is 
that they're not. But I think that in itself is interesting. An interesting critique on the nature of consciousness within this fictitious universe anyway. All right, all right. Anyway, probably went on too long about that one. What's next? Yeah, what's next? Do you not have any of these or mine? Yes. (laughs) Simple as that. So, the next interesting one... I think this is on the way down to the reactor. There's a resistor array that is just broken. And next to the broken, you know, panel with this burned out resistor array is a transcribe. And it talks about how they tried to replace the resistor array. And it just smoked and melted into some kind of organic goo. So I'm interpreting this as the resistor array was actually a mimic. So it probably would be quite interesting to go back and look at like the date stamp on that recording, right? When did the mimics actually break containment? How long were they just there hiding as other objects, but hadn't yet reached critical mass to actually do their takeover? I just thought it was interesting. Particularly in the context of, say, shuttle advent, which happens much later where there's a shuttle that departed 30 minutes before the first reported sighting of a mimic. Yeah. In the last episode, I did mention it feels like it's been a lot longer than it really has been. Yeah, I think the entire game is meant to take place over a very short period of elapsed time. When is the first time you encounter Michaela? It's in the power plant i think it's an office next to the airlock it is yeah and she is slumped down by a pillar because she suffers from like a neurodegenerative disorder like paraplexis i think that's what they call it yes that's right and without her medication she is losing control of all of her motor functions so you come across her the focus is that then in a room across from that is a med bay. You open the door and you got a glorious jump scare. Oh my goodness, yes. This jump scare. I totally was not expecting it. Like, it really got me. This was at least as bad as the looking glass jump scare. The looking glass jump scare, it was unexpected. And yet, I think at the back of my mind... I must have been expecting something because it was an unusual situation to be pushing these green dots on the screen. But this one, just completely out of nowhere, you open the door, it plays like this horrifying jump scare noise. And you're just face to face with this like, mutilated body that just like flops out towards you i mean i actually shouted out loud this is bullshit and had to take off my headphones and pause the game and then just walk around the flat for a few minutes to regain my composure like that was a surprise it's not worth it i don't know why you did to yourself what playing in the dark with the volume turned up with the headphones on. Yes. It's the only way to play. 
man, oh man. Yeah, it really got me. Such a cheap scare too. This is like proper Five Nights at Freddy's, like, cheap. But you're used to it. I mean, this is a game full of mimics. No, but... The mimics are like no threat anymore. I think this was just because it was so unexpected and so different. There's no threat. It's a, it's a floppy body. I guess I've just become accustomed to mimics. I've become acclimatised to mimics. Like, I know that the mimics aren't going to kill you. And even for things like the nightmare, where it can one-shot you, it's happened so many times, because I tried to cheese it that one time in the crew quarters, that I'm also just, like, desensitised to it. But this was just... This was something new. Like, this really surprised me. This is exactly why I normally don't like playing horror games. Because, like, I don't want situations like this. But I guess, you know, you can get used to anything, so... Maybe if I played more horror games, I'd be like, meh, it's just another body just flopping out of a closet at me. Obviously, I was playing without the music on and sound on, so... What? That's not scary, then. It's not. Is this, like, a natural human thing, or is this, like, just a me thing? Like, I cover my ears when things are scary. Do you do this? Yeah. Like, in horror movies, I'll actually be there, like, holding the sides of my head, being like, OMG, and, like, largely covering my ears. Because it's the sound that's really, you know, getting to me. Not the Not the visuals. I think it's just like the dun dun dun, you know, like the sound is is the thing that triggers like the primal response, and so I will often cover my ears, and I know you're playing with the sound down. Uh, I will with a horror movie. I'll take my glasses off, or I'll pretend I'm cleaning my eyes or something. I just just don't want to see. Uh, funny. Unless it's a serial killer, then I'll engage fully with it. It's just supernatural stuff. I can't can't be doing with. Well, I mean, obviously. For me, holding the side of my head does not help when I'm playing a computer game because I'm wearing headphones and it just makes the sound louder. So I was completely defenceless as this happened. And with computer games, it's not a passive activity. You have to engage with it, otherwise you have to suffer. I think you just feel responsible for what happens to your character, right? Anyway, moving on. The reactor core. I really enjoyed the reactor shutdown sequence. Like, I thought it was actually just really cool. It reminded me of the Jurassic Park shutdown sequence for some reason. Yes, yes. I feel like that's what it was channeling. Like, oh, it was just, I just really liked it. Like, you're like shutting it, stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> you initiate the shutdown and all these like things like flip open, these like covers. And then you've got the instruction manual there that tells you the order in which you have to do it. And it's like, ka-junk, ka-junk. Like, you're pulling these breakers, and then you start the procedure, and you see all these monitors at the top. You know, like, magnetosphere, brr, offline. Like, artificial gravity, brr, offline. And then you start, like, floating into the air. Like, everything was just... It was a really cool scene. And then the predictable, oh, it didn't reboot cleanly, and now we've got to fix something... And then the, I should have seen it coming, two technopaths just spawn from nowhere. Thanks a lot, game. Cheap, 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 cheap. What did you do? So, this happened the first time. And the two technopaths immediately floated over to the supply area and picked up a load of turrets. And I was like, 
this is bullshit. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not putting up with this. And I reloaded my save game. And then I went and took the turrets and I set them all up on top of the control room and hacked them. So they were all friendly to me and hacked and on top of the control room so that as the technopaths would spawn and float down, the turrets would deal with them. And then I redid the reboot sequence and then the technopaths floated down and just immediately picked up the turrets and made them hostile to me. And I was like, this is double bullshit. So I stepped outside and activated combat focus and just like lasered them with the Q-beam because actually combat focus is ridiculously overpowered. That's not what I expected. I I just I just broke the turrets. Ah, uh, well, I mean that's probably what I should have done. But, but if I was smart enough to think of your plan, I would have gone with yours. Well, it turns out it doesn't work. It what? turns out hacking a turret does not make it unhackable to a technopath. I mean, I probably should have known that, but I didn't. But saying that your Q beam is so powerful now. Combat for combat focus level three is stupidly powerful. If you want to fight things. You move at normal speed, they are moving through treacle, and you do bonus damage too. And if you don't want to fight things, well, you move at normal speed and they're moving through treacle, so you can just activate combat focus and just run away. Is it costly? No, it's really... like Especially towards the end, like at the end of the game, you can refill your side points by just drinking from any water source, because you've put like side power magic into the water in the station. And then, later than that even, you can refill your side points just by standing in coral. Yes. So you basically have unlimited side power. And combat focus is really cheap anyway. Like, I still had, like, dozens of side hypos. So there was no reason not to use it at literally every encounter. Did you rescue Michaela? Yes. Good, me too. <laughs> and then... The room next to Michaela is the is it the coolant room? I don't know. After you've done the reboot, that room is full of reactor coolant. Which is super, super explosive. So they say. So they say. This is Garbo pseudoscience, right? They talk about how they're using liquid hydrogen to cool the reactor. Why on earth would you use liquid hydrogen to cool the reactor? What would you use? Liquid helium. Liquid hydrogen is A, mega explosive, as they point out here. And it's not even as cold as liquid helium. It just seems bizarre why you would use liquid hydrogen. I mean, I guess liquid hydrogen's maybe more abundant than helium, I guess. I don't know. Or do I? It seems dumb. But yeah, there's just now this room just full of hydrogen and if you fire a gun in it everything explodes and you die did you test it out of course it's true (laughs) that's what quick saves are for this is why i talk to you this is why so much value so much value they're like don't fire a gun in here quick save all right bang oh wow i die if i fire a gun in here quick load
zero-g mimic? Allegedly. Did you not do... There's a mission to go into the micro... In the cargo bay. Is this to restart cargo processing or something? Yes, it is, yes. Yeah, I did this ages ago. I actually did this when we first went into Guts. So, yes, I did this. Did a Mimic not ambush you? I have no recollection of a Zero-G Mimic. But because I did it earlier in the game, it might be that there were just fewer Typhons around in general. But I have no recollection of a Zero-G Mimic. Sorry. Also, around this time, I, was, I got the mission Mix Signals. I never got this mission. Because you had no Typhon powers. Well, we can speculate as to why I never got this mission, but I never got this mission. So I thought that it might have been because I never evaded a nightmare. But then I can't remember if I actually did or didn't evade a nightmare. Because I last time thought that I had evaded a nightmare. But then... I think I may have got confused with the YouTube video I watched, which just goes to show how my mind is broken and I'm getting old. Is it a stat? No, I don't think it is, actually. I don't think it is. Did we ever figure out at what point a nightmare turns up? Well, for both of us, it turned up when we went to the... Oh, I was about to say crew quarters, but actually it's the lobby. First time around, yeah. But later on in the game, is there a... Is it timer-based or is it... On entry? I think there are a few areas where it's just guaranteed to be there. Like, I'm pretty sure it's just always in the reactor. Or on the way to the reactor. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know. I think that it's largely timer-based. Like, the wiki seemed to indicate that it shows up more frequently if you evade it than if you kill it. But who knows if that's true? I thought it was to do with how many Typhon powers you have, or how often you use Typhon powers. Yeah, I had also heard that it was implied that it's connected to the number of Typhon powers you have. But I don't know because I have none. And it still showed up for me. I think the idea of the Nightmare is really good and really clever. They just didn't follow through with it. The fact it's timer-based is a bit lame. Like, I surveyed it for three minutes and it disappears. So what do you think it should have been? I thought there would only be one nightmare. Well, my initial impression of it was that there was only one nightmare as well. So I think if there had been only one nightmare and they made it like 10 times harder to kill, I think that would have been cool. But then there's no feedback. You never know. You can't tell whether you're doing any damage to it as well. So it's annoying. It's got a health bar, man. It does have a health. I don't know. I never took it on. Not really. (laughs) It's like everything else in this game. It's got a health bar. Okay. And by the end of the game, well, it must depend a lot on how you've played the game and your build. For me, it was no threat by the end. So I think last time I commented, like, the only thing that gives me pause is the nightmare, and I've got recycled grenade spam. But literally at the end, combat focus, shoot it with a pistol. A pistol. A pistol. Come on, guys. My pistol was, like, fully upgraded. But still. I think it's mostly the combat focus that does it. So for you, the the countdown is a, a time to kill. Like, you have to kill it within the time. That's your challenge. Yeah, which is not very hard, I can tell you. I mean, I did encounter one on the way to the reactor. I think it might be it was in life support or something. It was at the bottom of some long 
grav lift and it had its back turned to me and I guess I could have evaded it or just gone back up the grav lift but I just instinctively was like oh a nightmare bang and I was like oh maybe I shouldn't have done that it's like well I'm committed now combat focus unloaded the rest of my pistol into it and then it was dead I was like huh I guess I don't have to be scared of these anymore they must have added the timer because they didn't know what to do with it I guess so because if you didn't want to fight it or you weren't equipped to fight it and you were just hiding in a cupboard what would you do I think having the explicit timer is kind of lame though like they could have just made it be unclear and then it could have just like lost interest and wandered off and maybe that would have felt more immersive I guess Prey isn't trying to be quote unquote realistic it Prey in many cases is still very overtly a game which works so on one occasion I had the nightmare pop out of a room in the crew quarters which surprised me we just walked out of a room yeah Hmm. It just popped out the recreation center, and I thought it was a mimic <laughs> on the floor above because the stealth indicator was just too high up, was too tall, but out popped a nightmare, which I, I really enjoyed because normally it's there waiting for me when I load into a room or load into a, a zone. Yeah. That is the interesting thing about the nightmare. It always knows roughly where you are. I think you can tell when one has spawned because suddenly that stealth indicator just appears and it's permanently right on the edge of detection. Will Mitchell. EastEnders, right? Is EastEnders? <laughs> I'm sorry to say I don't know. I mean, Will Mitchell in inverted commas because it's actually, was it Luca Golobkin? The real Will Mitchell is actually chopped up for meat in a box and his tracking bracelet is in there too I mean this is all part of like the great environmental storytelling in this game but yes Will Mitchell the imposter I eventually tracked him down to the bridge in an escape pod and he somewhat anticlimatically just recycled himself like there was another recycler trap that he'd laid for me but it was right next to him. Did you ever get caught out by all these recycler traps? I did actually once get caught out by it. But because it recycled me, I had to reload. And then I knew it was there the next time. I think this guy, the imposter cook, is actually a really interesting character. And there's loads of fan theories about exactly what happened to him. Which... I mean, I could go into for absolutely ages, but I'll just, like, touch upon a few. Or a few of the more interesting points that I remember. Like, they talk about how he had so many neuromods put into him and removed, and it's just left his mind in some weird state. And whether it's that weird state, or whether it's just his inherent serial killer abhorrentness, the telepath couldn't take over his mind the telepath like touched his mind and then recoiled from it because it was just wrong in some way so that's why he's the only human who's not been mind controlled in the crew quarters and then why does he have this sentimental attachment to will mitchell's cooking award like why does he tell you to fetch it and then i read two really interesting like fan theories about that so 
One of them is that he notices the lights are flickering or he's aware that the lights are flickering in Will Mitchell's quarters. So he's actually telling you to go there and fetch the cooking award because he knows that there is a voltaic phantom there and he wants it to kill you. So after you've gone and actually picked up the cooking award, you get, you know, a comm message from him going, M.U., are you still alive? It's like, because he actually is hoping you're not. Or the other interesting take on the situation I read was one of the things that was implanted into him was Will Mitchell's cooking ability. That's one of the neuromods that he received. And so maybe Will Mitchell's attachment to the cooking award came along with that skill. And maybe that's why he cares about it too. I don't know. I thought they were just both really neat theories. Yeah, I agree. And then he also is aware that the apex is coming. Like he talks about like the darkness and something with teeth coming to to consume us. So again, some property of all the neuromods he received has given him this insight into the Typhon in some way, in the same way that you kind of do too. Mm, Maybe, I don't know, because you get those kind of like flashbacks or like visions of things as you're playing the game like often you know you'll install a neuromod or you'll reach some critical juncture in the game and you get this like weird like fmv like you know like neurons and then like weird visions of like tendrils and stuff i mean actually knowing what we do now about how the game ends i guess there's something else but there's clearly something going on for him as well I mean, another really interesting thing I thought was in this last section of the game, you start to get to see all the different iterations of Morgan Yu. If you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. So, you know, we had right at the very beginning of the game, a video where you tell yourself you need to blow up the station. It's important. No Typhons get off the station. You need to blow the whole thing up. And you've made January this operator to help guide you. And then a little bit later, you hear from another operator, December, who's telling you, just get off the station. You can't fight the Typhoon. The important thing is that you survive and you bring evidence of what happened back to Earth. So you need to get off the station. And that's December. And if you don't destroy January, January will actually destroy December. And then in this video... And in a transcribe that you get to listen to after you finally meet Alex. Well, this Looking Glass video appears to be the original version of Morgan Yu. And this version talks about the experimental null wave that can nullify the Typhon and says that I'm making this video because I don't want to leave it to my brother because he'll just try and blow up the station or something stupid that won't solve anything and it's just really funny that you several iterations later have decided you need to blow up the station but you at the beginning were like don't blow up the station don't be an idiot but when you have a device that has the word experimental in it or when you prefix your device with experimental it doesn't seem very foolproof as a plan well it works doesn't it yeah i don't know does does it work (laughs) Well, the other great thing that I thought about this video is that afterwards, January actually contacts you 
And January is trying to talk you into maintaining your course of action, because of course that's what January is programmed to do. And it says, I've been thinking about the video Alex showed you. Your brother believes that version of you is the true Morgan. But why? Just because it came first? If someone had made you, then I suppose your truest self would be the one that fulfills whatever purpose your maker intended. I know who made me, and why. Did someone make you, Morgan? Were you made for something? If not, you'll have to invent your own purpose. Or have none at all. In the ending, we discover... You were made. You are a Typhon that is being made into a human. And you have a purpose, which is to be the bridge between Typhons and humans. And you can fulfill that purpose and cooperate. Or you can reject it and kill everyone. Did you do that? Well, we can talk about that at the end. At the very, very end. You should quickly talk about the military operators. Because... There was a Kotaku article talking about this final act where it's just a, a complete change of pace and everything's much more tense, everything's more rushed and it feels like a different game. What did you think now you've played it? Yeah, the military operators are a strange choice or a strange and significant change to the pacing of the game. I compared Prey to System Shock 2 and I said like if you were to make System Shock 2 with like modern game design 21st century whatever game design you would end up with Prey and one of the things that I was unable to deal with with System Shock 2 like one of the reasons that I I actually played it for the story but I like I made my own like story mode difficulty of the game by just making myself invincible was that I could not deal with the infinitely respawning enemies in System Shock 2. Like, I found it just too mentally exhausting. Because the way I actually played Prey for most of the game was to sweep through an area and kill everything and make it completely safe and then explore at my leisure and go and, you know, read all the terminals and explore all the nooks and crannies and stuff. But I would go along and kill everything because I didn't want to be snuck up on and I wanted to be able to then do a second pass over the air and and explore it at my leisure and you can't do that in this final act at least theoretically you can't because now there are infinitely respawning enemies the military operators just keep coming I mean it's not quite true but that's how it appears so you, you played this last section differently I did play it a little bit differently because a lot of the time, you know, you're backtracking, you're going through an area you've been through before. So I would often just run. Oh, you ran through the areas? Sometimes I would take out all of the operators, but I wouldn't destroy them. I would just hit them until they were like broken. But because the entity was like still in the world as like a living operator, it didn't spawn another operator so that was one way i dealt with it other times i would just kill them if i had to engage them because they were right there and shooting lasers at me but if i didn't i could just activate combat focus and run away i had the benefit of hacking and i think it would be totally different 
game for me if I didn't have hacking. I didn't know what I would do. But if you have hacking, you play it like the rest of the game. Because they become friendly. So so if you hack them, it doesn't spawn more operators? Nope. Oh, okay. That is interesting. So I just had them patrolling on for my benefit. For some reason, I just didn't really hack them. I but you don't have to. Well, I mean, I had level 4 hacking, so I guess I could have done, but... Yeah, I didn't. I think I think I was just lazy because the hacking actually takes quite a long time and there's just a lot of operators. So for whatever reason I didn't do it. So I did dread this section, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, something that occurred to me is I took note of the fact that the operator dispenser will sometimes say like obstruction cleared generating new operator and then out pops another military operator and i was thinking oh i should obstruct the operator dispenser but glue didn't work we both tried that i tried that too but it just like breaks the glue and the aperture opens so i guess the way you should do it is by using leverage to put like a big bulky thing in front of it but i stuck to my principles and didn't take leverage two or three because I was like, who on earth would take leverage two or three? Some kind of dumbass. I would. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was thinking, did you do this? Yes. But the stacking is really fiddly. So I could usually get two, at most three, and then I would just glue the rest and hope for the best. I do think leverage is woefully underused in this game. Like, it's quite an expensive skill, considering how many other options you have for most of the times that you might use it. Because the main thing leverage gets you is being able to move like heavy crates that are obstructing something. But you can also just deal with that by using a recycler charge. So I think leverage was a missed opportunity. I expected more doors that were powered down. Yes. That would have made much more sense if leverage was a credible alternative to repair, for example. Because rather than repairing like a power junction, you could just use leverage to bypass it. But it just didn't work like that. Did you help Frank Jones and Emanuela de Silva escape? Yes, I did. Did you read all of the emails between them and related to their escape? No, because you told me new information. So I thought this was really cool. There's this guy, Frank Jones... And he has a crush on Emanuela de Silva, who is completely not at all interested in him, full stop. But Frank Jones is one of the engineers, maintenance guys, responsible for the escape pods. And he realises that the escape pods are all busted, that they're not going to work. But he manages to scrounge together enough spare parts to repair one escape pod and he sends an email to Emanuela de Silva to say if something goes wrong with a station come to this escape pod it's the only one that works but before he sends that email he accidentally sends an email to Emmanuel Mendez because he just makes a typo in the email address I guess and so Emmanuel Mendez also gets an email from Frank Jones saying the escape pods all don't work. 
and then a follow-up email going, ah, ha, ha, uh, lol, joke, uh, just don't pay attention to that last email. So Emmanuel Mendez then has this whole exchange with this other person about, what would you do if you learned some, like, life-endangering information about the station and you needed to let everyone know, but you weren't sure it was true and you didn't want it to be traced back to you? And this other person tells him, oh, I don't know, I guess I'd spacewalk out to one of those big billboards and hack it so it told everyone. And he's like, oh, that's an interesting idea. So when you're outside the station, there are these giant billboards that just say the name, like Transtar, and show the Transtar logo. And if you fly out to one of them, you can actually find Emmanuel Mendez's body. And he was in the middle of hacking the billboard. And if you actually complete the hack, like, you know, you go up to the control console and, like, push the button to continue the upload, the billboard actually changes from saying Transtar to Escape Pods Are Fake. I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. Why are they fake, though? Well, they don't work. I mean, I guess you should say Escape Pods Don't Work or something, I don't know, but the message is Escape Pods Are Fake. I think there's only two Escape Pods that work on the whole station. The one that Frank Jones repairs and Alex Yu's personal escape pod. This was an interesting bit. Dahl's operator can be in a few locations. I did not realise this until I looked at a guide after the fact when I was doing, you know, the customary research to put together these show notes. So you find out where Dahl's operator is by getting onto his shuttle and listening to the mission briefing. And the mission briefing is actually Morgan and Alex Yu's father... William Yu, telling Dahl to go to the station and secure the cobalt-level research and to neutralise, aka kill, all Transtar personnel. And Dahl says, all Transtar personnel? And, you know, your dad says, all. So he's, like, just basically ordered him to kill you, his own children. Thanks a lot. But at the end... He says, we recommend you deploy an operator inside the station's firewall. An appropriate access point is blur. And he'll name a location. So for me, it was the hardware labs. And then for you... Psychotronics. Why why do it this way? I, I don't know. I guess just add more variety to the game. I think in the context of the Moon Crash DLC... This is kind of a very small experiment and that in Moon Crash, it's explored fully. So it's a very small piece of randomization. And there's quite an interesting interview where they talk about why they made Moon Crash and had that kind of, well, random roguelike element to it. I think it's just that. 
Must be hell for like speedruns of the game if you get a bad Caspar spawn. Do you actually have to deal with Caspar? You do, don't you? It's mandatory. So yeah, it must be a pain if you're trying to speedrun. When do all the military operators collapse? I expected the military operators to stop once I had destroyed slash hacked Caspar, but I don't think they do. I think some dispensers still continue to spew out operators. Did they? I thought they all collapsed. After Dahl or after Caspar, I don't remember which. Caspar is the one that's controlling all the operators. And yeah, certainly the majority, if not all, go offline once, you know, you deal with Caspar. Did you hack Caspar or did you destroy Caspar? I destroyed him. I destroyed him and then I thought, what happens if you hack him? And then I reloaded and hacked him and actually it was exactly the same. Him slash it. Caspar's got like... Casper's got what do you think of Casper's voice and Casper's dialogue lines I don't know so they're really they're really like they're really like this weird combination of like elite operative and like hack elite speak it's, it's like you know files 37 to 99 secured nodes 23 to 63 ripped it was hard for me to associate his voice with a, a with a being but you called it him and, and you know and so continues our conversation <laughs> you just said you just said operators weren't alive that's i still believe that <laughs> after killing casper what state is the station they're still typhon around yeah i was not expecting this i thought everything would be dead by now i thought why the, i thought all the military operators had done their job those military operators are kind of crap right i mean they make them out to be these, like, you know, black box operator, like, armed with laser cannons. But those laser cannons just, like, they do, they do nothing. They're like tickle sticks. So dismissive. In the first encounter with the military operators, I, I wasn't expecting it, right? Dahl arrives, the shutters come up in Alex Yu's office, and, like, these four operators just, like, burst through the window in perfect synchronized formation. And it just so happened that I had actually just killed a nightmare. So my combat focus was on cooldown. And so all four operators just turned on me and just started lasering me. And despite the fact that I didn't have my combat focus and I was completely unprepared and had never fought these things before, so I didn't really know what I was doing, they didn't do very much damage to me considering four of them were just lasering me at point blank range. I mean, they did do a bit of damage. I did have to, you know use some suit patch up kits and take a med kit but four military grade operators with like laser cannons you'd expect it to be more dangerous you do have a point and i think in a one-on-one fight between an operator and a phantom i'm pretty sure the phantom would win but anyway so any particular typhons that surprised you there's nightmare again oh okay didn't, didn't you hack all the operators? Didn't all of your pet operators deal with the nightmare? No. Well, I wonder if they went offline as well with Casper. It wouldn't surprise me if the nightmare just killed them all. And you just evaded this nightmare as well? Yeah. Uh, I think I built it up too. I built, I built them up too much because I had never killed them. So there's still a mystique about them. I could definitely believe that. They are definitely talked up, bigged up by, you know, the way the game treats them. So you dealt with Casper. 
How do you deal with Dahl? I removed his neuromod. I did the same. Because of how the missions are set out, I thought that was what I had to do. Really? Yes. It's an optional objective. You do know what optional means, right? What would have really happened had I not removed the neuromods? I would have had to kill him. And then we'd all be stuck on the ship. Because we don't have a pilot to leave the... Correct. Which is also kind of dumb, right? There must be like a piloting neuromod lying around somewhere. I mean, the way neuromods actually work in this game is really very wishy-washy, right? Because they imply that the neuromod is for a specific skill, but then for just game mechanics reasons, they're just like upgrade points, basically. So for you personally, they don't work like that. Whatever. I did the same thing as you. I unexpectedly ran into Dahl. I actually wasn't expecting to run into him, but I just walked into the room and was like, oh, it's Dahl. And then I'm not killing any humans, right? I'm on a kill no humans playthrough, so I just stunned him. And I had actually already gone and had a chat with Dr. Igwe, and he had suggested to me, Dahl is a pilot, and he's the only pilot left on the station. So if you can incapacitate him, we can remove his neuromods, and he will forget everything that happened since he had them installed. And then you, as a director of Transtar, can just order him to pilot us off the station. Which sounds like a pretty good plan. And that's what I did. I thought that was the only plan. Yeah, I mean, the other option is, well, obviously, if you didn't rescue Dr. Igwe, or you didn't talk to Dr. Igwe, then you wouldn't know about this full stop. And if you kill Dahl, then it just becomes not an option. So... Yeah, it gets really effed up really quickly. If you don't save enough people, you can't get off the... Then you have to take Alex's escape pod. Yeah. And then you fail. Because you didn't help enough people? Potentially. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I did think it was really cool when you perform the neurotomy on him to remove the neuromods. I didn't actually try saving and doing the procedure incorrectly. I don't know if that'll actually kill him if you do it wrong. Because you have to activate like the head brace to hold him still. And then you have to do a scan of his brain to get an updated like map of his connectome. And then you remove the neuromods. So I don't know what happens if you just tell it just to remove the neuromods straight away. I don't think it lets you. No? Lame. I don't know what happens as well if you try and do the reboot sequence incorrectly. Like whether it will just blow up the station. No, it will just reset and you start again. Lame. Well, what's the point of following instructions then? Okay, well, there you go. But there has to be, like, safety features as part of the the shutdown. I remember back in my day when computers did what they were told, even if what you told them to do was really stupid. None of this, hey, would you like to update Windows? No, I don't want to update Windows. And Windows these days is like, no, you really should update Windows. I'm going to reboot now. It's for your own good. No, don't reboot now. Human error is a real thing back in my day it would have been you want me to just do this without any of the safety checks and without scanning it all right oh sorry he's dead you know back in those days not everyone had computers you couldn't i can't say something really rude about everyone you need to people need to be protected from themselves sorry one more thing on dal when he first 
regains consciousness after having the neural mods removed. He says, where am I? Is this the Argus installation? The Argus installation. There are a few references to this place. And it's not spelled out in black and white, but it seems to be a secret stealthed facility somewhere near the Talos one. And I think it is where, well, I would speculate it is where the very last scene after the ending takes place. So we're rapidly approaching the ending. What did you think of the apex? I have nothing to say about the apex. More nuisance than anything else. To create some tension. <laughs> it's like, this is cheap. This is cheap storytelling, man. No, it's all right. It was... It was another typhoon for me to run away from. Yeah, I think it could have been more interesting. But I also think that its arrival was very dramatic. Like, it looked good. Like, you see the station being swallowed. And the Arboretum glass is cracking and the gravity fails and everyone's just like floating into the air and Alex is flailing his arms about. It was a cool moment when it arrives. That's about it. So at this point, we have everything we need to finish the game. So how did you finish the game? I blew up Talos 1. And escaped with Dahl on the shuttle? Nope. <laughs> I just sat there. I just paced around the like, bridge. Like a potato. Looking back, I realised I could have sat in the captain's chair and just watched... Gone down with the ship. Yes. Dramatically. But I didn't do that. I just walked around. Why didn't you escape? I'm Typhon. I have Typhon powers. Otherwise, it doesn't fit the plan. It's very noble of you. What did you do? It occurs to me that going down with the station is the one ending I didn't see. So I actually wonder what they say to you at the end if you do that. Like, I actually don't know because it's the only thing I didn't do. I activated the null wave. That was my initial plan. I don't even know what that means to activate the null wave. Where is the... So you have to fabricate the experimental null wave transmitter... And then you have to deploy it at the heart of the coral. So Which is where? It's all the way back in Psychotronics. Oh, you know, it's in the ship. I thought it was outside. No, it's in the ship. I don't think I don't think you can even go outside once the apex arrives. So in Psychotronics, if you remember, there was the original Russian satellite. It's right at the heart of Psychotronics. There's like a zero G chamber with the original satellite, like surrounded by like coral tendrils and stuff. And in there is, like, the heart of the coral. I don't know if there's multiple hearts of the coral, because there's a few things you can scan with the psychoscope when you've got that ability. But that is the one that you get the objective marker to put it on anyway. So you put this null wave transmitter on the satellite, and then you actually have to go all the way back to the bridge to activate it, which I thought was kind of ridiculous, but that's how it works. And... I didn't even put the arming keys in the reactor at this point. I just went and did this one straight away. So when I got back to the bridge, 
Alex and January were there arguing. And January is jamming the console to prevent you activating the null wave. And Alex is confronting January and saying, what are you? Like, where did this operator come from? Morgan, deal with this thing. It's, it's speaking in your voice and it won't let me activate the null wave. And then January is arguing the opposite point and going, you need to destroy the station. My directive is to help you destroy the station. I can't let you do this. And then he actually stuns Alex. So if you want to activate the null wave, you have to destroy January. So I destroy January and push the button. But what happens next? What happens next is a really lame looking video with low frame rate plays of the null wave device like activating and zapping, you know, spreading throughout all the coral and all of the typhon matter just like disappears. And then the credits roll. Huh? So yeah. you're left with a deserted ship. Yeah, you don't you don't actually need to evacuate the station or get on a shuttle or anything. It just literally you push the button, that cutscene plays, credits roll. I was surprised. I thought I would have to evacuate, but no, that's literally the end. And then after that I went and did the self-destruct ones just to see what would happen. So went all the way back down to the reactor, opened the hatch, went down underneath the reactor to the cool secret room with the two like arming keys that you have to turn. And then you have to go back to the bridge again to activate the self-destruct. This seems really weird. But you need to see that confrontation though, right? That's the whole point. Well, <laughs> I feel like this is kind of like why would I put pipelines full of explosive gas through my super secure low gravity storage area, right? Like if you had two arming keys that you had to put into the reactor and turn to activate the self-destruct, surely you'd be able to activate the self-destruct from there. Like maybe you could also activate it from the bridge, but the fact that I can't activate it down there when I've had to physically go all the way there, I found it weird, but yeah, I had to go all the way back up and witness the confrontation. And this time it's the reverse. For me, Alex and January had an argument again, and this time Alex shot January. So in both cases, the one that doesn't want you to do it takes out the other one. But I pushed the button anyway to activate the self-destruct. You let the confrontation play out? Yes. Oh, because I just, I just hit the button and they just like, oh. Really? What <laughs> yeah. do they do? And then do it, nothing happens. Nothing. <laughs> Weird. And then, because I just done the null wave one, I guess I kind of expected it just to end, but it didn't. It just gave me the self destruct countdown. I was like, oh, it's not over. And this time I did have to escape. You didn't have to escape. Well, okay, you're right. You didn't have, <laughs> you could just lie down and die, but I didn't. I want to live. Also, I had no Typhon Neuromod, so you know, I was perfectly justified escaping. Did you escape both ways? I actually tried a few things. So I tried escaping on Alex's escape pod to see if it would give me the Who is December ending instead. But it didn't. It actually had a special video showing the escape pod escaping. And then I also went down to the shuttle bay and escaped with everyone else on the shuttle piloted by Dahl. Which gave basically the same video but showing the shuttle blasting off instead. So... Kudos to them for accounting for both. 
Something I thought was really interesting that I found out afterwards, again, while researching, you know, for the notes. If January is not destroyed, but you have Typhon Neuromods, when you go to leave the station with Dahl, January will contact Dahl and using your voice, tell Dahl, hey, I'm not going to make it to the shuttle bay in time, just leave without me, to make sure that you're stranded on the station and it blows up with you on it. Which makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense in that your directive is to prevent any type of matter getting off the station. But it's still a dick move from January. But why would you blow up the station if your intention is to leave it anyway with Typhon powers? Because I want to live. I want to live and use my psychic Typhon powers to, like, do parlor tricks. So clever. It's clever. I, I thought that was cool. Oh, and, and then one more thing. The one more thing. Shuttle Advent. So, here, at the end of the game, is the trolley problem. There's a shuttle. It left the station 30 minutes before the first confirmed Typhon sighting. It has five people on board. It may or may not have a cargo hold full of mimics. You can remotely scuttle the shuttle and kill the five people on board, or you can do nothing, and it will potentially kill everyone on Earth. What do you do? I killed them. So, you pulled the lever and diverted the trolley to run over the one person. Yes. Slash the five people on the shuttle, depending on your point of view. I was doing a Kill No Humans playthrough, so I felt like I couldn't push the button. Kill all the humans on the Earth. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, like, kill them through inattention. I didn't do anything, man. I- I'm totally clean hands here. I need- I'm-, I'm here for the achievement. Uh, achievement over here, please. The-, the other funny thing is, did you kill Alex? No. Did you know that if you do kill Alex, you get an achievement called Push the Fat Man? Didn't know that. Just to complete the trolley problem references. I thought that was, you know, I thought that was funny. I may have killed Alex in a quick save, quick load situation. So, I know. There's no consequence to killing Alex? Mm, the consequence is you get an achievement for it. I, I don't actually think there is a consequence to killing Alex. Well, oh. again, I don't know if there's some commentary on it at the end of the game, but I didn't see that. And so at the very, very end of the game, as mentioned, it was all a simulation, Project Cobalt, blah, 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 blah. Very minor point that I noticed. In the sort of like flashing shutdown sequence that happens before it's revealed it was all a simulation, it actually says LGV 3.5. 
if you do the who is December achievement, it actually says LGV 3.1. So that kind of implies that the version of you that followed the December objectives to leave the station early was like an earlier failed prototype. And like you're the real deal or like you're a later iteration at least. So you wake up in some strange place. Presumably the Argus installation, but who knows. The real Alex is there, along with operator versions of Michaela, Sarah Elazar, Dr. Igwe, and Danielle Show. And they judge you. They judge you for how you did in the game. Unfortunately, we did everything, right? Yeah, we were both goody two-shoes, and they were both like... Mirror neurons were, or empathy quotient was highly something i don't know i got a really good score i got the i and thou achievement for you know being the nicest dude imaginable i mean i did quite like how unlike deus ex the ending kind of depends on your actions throughout the game not just the end since the deus ex games you have all this agency to play the game how you want But when it comes to choosing the ending, it kind of happens right at the very end of the game and everything you did before that doesn't really matter. Like, you could have played the game entirely one way, but you can still see the other ending just by pushing a different button at the end. Whereas this, whether you blew up the station or you activated the null wave, whether you escaped or stayed, that's not what really matters. What really matters is everything else you did throughout the game. So. If you were like a typhoon that didn't care for human life and had zero empathy and just killed everyone, like space Dr. Igwe and murdered Aaron Ingram and so on, then when they judge you at the end, they will actually say, you know, mirror neuron activation was not promising. And they'll comment that at every juncture when you could have done something human you didn't. And if you do that, you actually get the same dialogue as in the Who is December ending. Alex will say, we failed, this isn't the one, and Michaela will say, start over. So, I thought that was a nice touch. And assuming that you didn't get that worst of all possible endings, then you get the choice. Do you fulfil your purpose and be the bridge between Typhons and Humans? Do you shake Alex's hand? Or do you have no purpose? Do you find your own purpose and kill them all? I shook the hand. I'm hoping you killed them all. (laughs) I shook the hand too. You you did both, right? You you killed them all as well. (laughs) Of course I did, yes. (laughs) Of course I did. Yeah, yeah. What happens if you kill them all? You just kill them all. I mean... You go as if to shake his hand, but instead of your hand becoming like all human like, like mimicking a human hand, you instead like jerk his hand towards you and release like an electric shock, which like stuns and disables all the operators. And then with your other hand, it turns into like a typhoon tentacle and you just like stab him through the chest and they just face to black. I'm really curious will there be more prey? right? There's the Mooncrash DLC. I don't know how connected 
to the main story of Talos 1 it is. I don't know whether we'll get more DLC. I don't know whether we'll get a sequel. And I would really like to know, right, given the whole thing turned out to be a simulation, what really happened on Talos 1? How much of the simulation is like an accurate recreation from Morgan's memories? And how much of it has been doctored to try and make this Typhon-Human hybrid more empathic? It would be disappointing if the sequel wasn't a massive departure from this. If it wasn't a massive departure, in the same way that The Prey 2006 was a literally different game with a completely different plot, that would be hilarious if they made like a Prey in 2028 and it was literally a completely different and unrelated game. But if the simulation was the same, it would be very disappointing, right? You want a simulation that is very far from the reality. That makes it very interesting and give us more questions. Is that right? I don't know. The, the simulation surely is grounded in reality. I mean, but if you, if I gave you Prey 2 and it was Talos 1 again, that's not... No, 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 no. It, Prey 2 would not be Talos 1 again. I mean, Prey 2, well, I assume, would be set on the Typhon-infested Earth or on, like, some off-world colony where, you know, the survivors of Earth escaped to or something, right? Prey 2 would be something else. Prey 2 would be the prequel and it would be what happened on Talos 1, but it's not Talos 1 because the simulation is massively different to what really happened. Oh, that would be... Okay, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, what is the canonical story of of what happened on Talos 1 because given that the Earth is covered in Typhons whatever they really did on Talos 1 it didn't stop the Typhons reaching Earth maybe they were just doing a Kill No Humans playthrough and they weren't able to blow up Shuttle Advent and that's what happened you know maybe they did everything else right but they just didn't blow up the Shuttle or maybe the Typhons were already on Earth maybe they'd already just like fallen from some debris like maybe they would have always been there i mean who knows maybe they hitchhiked on one of the other shuttles with the volunteers maybe they got there from the argus installation like there's so many other reasons they could have got there and then who really are igwe michaela danielle sarah elzar were they real people and their connect homes have been put into these operators to help judge the simulation from the perspective of people who were there? Or were they always just operators and they fictitiously inserted them into the simulation? What about Morgan? What happened to the real Morgan you? Are you a Typhon that was raised from Morgan's body? Or are you just any old Typhon and they're just shoving the connectome information in? That would make more sense because then... They're trying many versions of you. Yeah, that's true. That would make much more sense. <laughs> There's so much to this game. There's just It's just such an interesting setting. They've just come up with such interesting lore. And then... Ah, oh, I don't know, man. I, I'm really... I thought it was really cool. Like, I really enjoyed the story. You know, I, I was saying that for Dark Souls you've got people poring over these item descriptions and there's like dozens and dozens of hours of videos on YouTube of people explaining you know the Dark Souls lore and what 
you know this item description means and implies for like the wider narrative and stuff like i feel like you could do that for prey i i just thought you know it was very well written and designed so now all is said and done final stats oh man i took just under 43 hours to finish yes so is this your play time on Steam or is this the time on your final save game? Save game. That's a really long time. That I... is a really long time. I know. What were you doing? Sneaking around and waiting for the patrols to be in the right place so I can move. <laughs> waiting for the nightmare to piss off. Waiting to die. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of waiting around in my game of prey. I just the mind boggles. I mean my time twenty six hours, twenty two minutes. That's really fast. And I did a lot. I did more than you, right? I did side quests that you didn't do. Yes. Maybe I wasn't very um efficient in my backtracking. Who knows? I could definitely believe that it was largely due to playing in a more stealthy way. In 10 minute chunks. In <laughs> Context switching is expensive, man. Well, top marks for effort. I'm impressed you stuck with it, given how 43 hours is, <laughs> is a long time. I'm, I'm surprised and impressed. It's an issue of 50%. It's more than? Yeah, exactly. It That's shocking. I'm surprised. It's How did you find the time to play this game? And then, I mean, we, we went and took screenshots of all our final stats, but I'm not sure any of them are actually that interesting. And we've also already talked about neuromods. I, I know you used combat focus. You know I used leverage. Yeah. <laughs> and I hack things. You hack things. In the end... I don't think our builds and stats were actually that different. No. I mean, I probably killed more stuff. I know that you didn't take many health mods. You Your health maxed out 100. Mine went up to 300. And I used the wrench more. And you didn't take the wrench mods. I think that's about it. Yeah. So we've actually got some feedback about Prey from Sam Bates who originally wrote in to suggest that we play it. So before we address that recent feedback, I'd kind of like to go right back to when we played What Remains of Edith Finch and Firewatch. And so the original impetus in question was both of those games, Firewatch and Edith Finch, gave me a sense of unease through most of the playthrough. How much of that is because of the atmosphere they create and how much is due to expectations from previous gaming experiences? So having played Prey, which definitely gave a sense of unease for a very large part of the playthrough, my feeling on this is it was definitely the atmosphere it created rather than expectations from other games. I mean, I haven't played that many other horror games. 
So perhaps they didn't have that many expectations to draw upon. But Prey really got me a few times. And I, I think it did a masterful job with the sound. The mimic set up the tone from the very beginning. I mean, I can't do much else but agree. And then Sam's more recent feedback. I love the opening of Prey. So sci-fi and caught me off guard completely with the fake apartment, fake helicopter and so on. I don't know much about the game when I first started it, which probably helped. I'm currently a bit stuck because I used all my ammo killing something Then I backtracked to the hub area and need guns. I think my route out of this is to have to go out of an airlock and try to get to somewhere I can craft ammo without running into any enemies. So I think this is an interesting point about how different the game could be depending on your playstyle. Because in the end, I think we didn't play it that differently. Or at least the ways that we both played it had the same outcome. Like we both played in a friendly way, we helped all the humans, and we both had plenty of resources, you by hiding, and me by combat focusing everything. Yep, and very few Typhon powers. But it's certainly the case that if you were to play differently, you can end up in more interesting predicaments. And yeah, I don't know what I'd do if I was stuck in that situation. <laughs> Well, actually, I would combat focus my way out, but that's not really a fair um, judgment. There's always a wrench. Glue gun and wrench. Simple. I, I was, you know, I I did intend to play a Typhon Powers only playthrough, and I think that probably would be much harder. I think any playthrough where you don't have combat focus is going to be much, much, much harder. I didn't use combat focus. It's okay. Combat focus. So good, man. It's probably easy mode, to be honest. Finally, to finish. If you had to give Prey a score out of 10, what would you give it? Can I do half scores? Yeah, you can do half scores. 8.5. 8.5. Okay, it's at least an 8.5. I think I might, I might even give it a 9. IGN gave Prey a 4. Because of technical issues. Because of technical issues. Okay, fine. GameSpot gave Prey a six. Yes. What the hell, man? They missed all the story. Why? Six. You can read the last paragraph on the GameSpot review. Do I, <laughs> do I have to? Prey is a game of uneven pacing and uninteresting characters. It opens with a poignant, thought-provoking premise, but fails to follow through until the end when it claims a revelation it doesn't quite earn. Its gameplay falters out of the gate, eventually maturing into something worthwhile, if a bit familiar. As an homage to System Shock, it's competent and at times even enjoyable. However, Prey fails to distinguish itself, and next to immersive sim contemporaries such as Dishonored, it feels stagnant. I don't know what to say to that, other than... I disagree. (laughs) Tamor Hussain. Tamor Hussain is who you need to talk to. There's no need to single people out. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, everyone. I, I guess it just goes to show you can have a different opinion. <laughs> what do other people know? You're, you're allowed to have a different opinion. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Well, I 
think it's actually really funny when you are so against the <laughs> game reviews are rarely wildly divergent. And I think it's really interesting when they are. I find it funny because I obviously feel the opposite about most of the points in that review. But I definitely don't feel as strongly about some of the laws you do. I think I just really like sci-fi. I think I just really like the fact that we got basically a sci-fi dishonored, even if the sci-fi was more towards the fantasy end than the hard sci-fi side. I don't know. I just think it's a shame. I don't think Prey sold that well. I mean, it's not like it bombed. It's not like it did really badly. But, you know, it's not like it won Game of the Year either. I think a very common sentiment that people have called out is, why is it called Prey? I mean, other than the obvious reason of they had the license and they had to put the name on something. And I suppose that the Typhons are predators of humans and we're their prey. There you go. That's why. (laughs) Weak, man. That's a weak reason. I mean, what are the key themes of prey? The key themes of prey are who are you or like the mutability of your personality or like what does it mean to, you know, to be someone like Morgan and the spectrum of who he was from his original self cold and basically psychopathic zero empathy like the real Morgan Yu has practically zero empathy right the real Morgan Yu is more like a typhoon than the Morgan Yu we ended up playing as you know the real Morgan Yu the original Morgan Yu would certainly never have sacrificed himself to blow up the station to prevent the typhoons reaching earth I don't know that but you do Well, that's just my read of the story, obviously. And, you know, the trolley problem, it's like themes of sacrifice, themes of difficult decisions, themes of, I don't know, Prey just doesn't seem like a good name for it. I saw it suggested that maybe it should have been called Neuroshock, or basically just anything with the word shock in, just to indicate that it's like System Shock and Bioshock and blah. It did well enough to get a DLC. Mooncrash seems to have been very favourably received. Don't know. I don't know whether we'll see more of this universe. But I enjoyed it. Great suggestion. I'm very glad that I had a reason to play it. Since I enjoyed it a lot. And goodness knows when I would have got round to getting off my backlog if I hadn't had this kick. I did buy Mooncrash. So I'll probably be playing that this weekend. We can talk about it in the main app. <laughs> we were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On YouTube. And Twitch as Lost Levels Club. What are you grateful for? I feel like the last few times I've just said, oh, I'm really glad it's the weekend. So you can't say that then? (sighs) I'm really ungrateful for the fact I'm kind of sick. I've I've had like this cold and flu for like a week now. That's totally not the (laughs) purpose.
that's, t- that's, t- that's totally not the purpose of this. I'm subverting this game. I'm subverting it entirely. What, what are you grateful for? Give you some inspiration. 14-day free trial of Game Pass. <laughs> Wait, is Forza 4 out? Yes, yeah, it's out. So you're grateful that you can play Forza 4? On my crappy PC, yeah. It's well optimised. I'm grateful for that as well. I'm grateful for the power of editing. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful that in the edit, this podcast is going to sound way better than the original <laughs> version, where I'm just coughing and sneezing and burping a lot. <laughs> I'm grateful that I will get to play Moon Crash. I'm looking forward to that. I'm grateful that the autumn, sorry, in American fall, Link the Past randomizer <laughs> race tournament has started. Link the Past Randomizer. It never ends. As one tournament ends, the other one begins. Continuously watching people play this 20-year-old game. Is it 20 years old? It might be. Jeez. Baldur's Gate is 20 years old. What? What? Seriously? Yeah, 98. Oh, jeez. Well, as we're hurtling towards the grave... Which I'm not grateful for. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.